Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. Are you ready to unlock the full potential and growth in your business? You've already crossed seven figures in sales, but the challenge is knowing how to take your business to the next level. Join Josh Hadley, an eight-figure e-com business owner and investor, as he interviews highly successful business owners. Get ready, because you're going to learn specific actions you can take today to help your business reach its full potential and leave a lasting impact on the world. Welcome to the Ecom Breakthrough Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Hadley, where I interview the top business leaders in e-commerce. Past guests include Kevin King, Michael E. Gerber, the author of The E-Myth, and Roland Frazier. Today, I'm speaking with Vincenzo Toscano, the CEO of Ecomacy, and we are going to be talking a lot about unique strategies that are going to be able to explode your sales and growth on Amazon. This episode is brought to you by Ecom Breakthrough Consulting where I help seven-figure companies grow to eight figures and beyond. Listen, Vincenzo, I started my business back in 2015, and I grew it to an eight-figure brand in seven years. But I made a lot of mistakes along the way that made the path of getting to eight figures take a lot longer than it needed to. There were times where I had a lot of self-doubt, where I doubted my ability as a leader, or doubted whether my brand could survive, or financially, if we would have the cash flow to you know, launch a new product. I wish I would have had a guide along the way that would have made the path a little bit easier and would have helped me steer around a lot of those stumbling blocks. So for our listeners, those of you who are encountering those stumbling blocks or want to know the next steps to take your business to the next level, then go to ecombreakthrough.com and learn more. And as a special bonus to my podcast podcast listeners, this month I'm giving away one $10,000 comprehensive business strategy audit session at no cost. All you need to do is email me at josh at ecombreakthrough.com and plead your case as to why I should choose you and your business to work with. And don't forget that in your subject line, please say strategy audit and for your chance to win. But today I am super excited to introduce you all to Vincenzo Toscano. Uh, Vincenzo is an expert in optimizing and scaling brands on Amazon. He is the CEO of Ecomacy where they have helped more than 1,000 local, national, and international brands sell more on Amazon globally. Ecomacy is a full-service Amazon consultancy providing tactical execution, support, and strategic consulting services for Amazon sellers and vendors. Focused on mid-to-large-size brands, Ecomacy uses a specialist consulting framework, deep analytical ability, and powerful technology to grow their customers' revenue on Amazon. So with that introduction, welcome to the show, Vincenzo. Thank you, Josh. It's a pleasure, and thank you for having me on. Well, I'm super excited to have you on. I've listened to multiple podcast episodes that you've been on, and uh, you continue to share so much knowledge, and you have your own podcast. And so you're, you're just a wealth of information, and <laughs> I know our listeners are going to take away a lot of actionable insight. From Thank your you. message today. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I mean, the same, I can say the same about you. I mean, I've been following your podcast for a while now. And to be honest, uh, I want to thank you also personally for all the great strategy and content you put out there. I'm pretty sure it provides a ton of value to the Amazon community. Yeah. Well, I love it. The, the feeling is mutual here. Well, Vincenzo, our audience is seven figure sellers, right? That want to take their brand to eight figures and beyond. That's exactly what you do. And you have, you know, in your bio, you mentioned 
a specialist framework that can actually help brands explode their revenue and, and grow on Amazon. So, Vincenzo, would you mind kind of breaking down this framework that you have that helps brands explode their sales and growth on Amazon? Sure, yeah, 100%. I would say uh, when it comes to, you know, breaking uh, that wall to go from seven figures to eight figures, there's usually a series of areas that we have identified that consistently is pressing on clients that come to us that, you know, they are not typing into those areas and they must do it to reach the eight figures, uh, basically, uh, space. And I'm going to be working through all these different uh, advice and strategies that we're doing for our clients. So you can start doing it by your brand as well. So the first thing that we always identify when we do audits uh, on our brands is that most people have a huge potential when it comes to expand the product offerings, right? So a lot of people, usually when we do the audit on their brands, they're usually going to have a portfolio of pros that it could be five, 10 product plus. But then, you know, usually you're going to have your hero products, which is, you know, the 80, 20 rule. You're going to have your two or three pros that bring you 80% of your revenue. And the remaining just pros that, you know, are just there to complement the brand. Now, what does it happen? It happens that Sometimes people, when they start uh, reaching the seven figures and they get stuck and they don't know how to go past uh, that seven figure uh, window, is that they stop the the mindset of keep expanding the product catalog, right? And for example, even Amazon itself with the brand analytics tool, nowadays you can find all the top keywords that people is is looking on a specific niche. You can even use the pro discovery tool to even Amazon tells you which are the pros that have high demand and you could potentially add to your business. And by combining tools like that, I'm pretty sure that if you put the, the data uh, there and start analyzing it, you're going to find accessories, complementary, uh, complementary uh, products for your, uh, basically your niche, even different variations that sometimes you even didn't even thought of. And these tools can uh, basically help you bring those extra sources of traffic sales which at the same time reflects in revenue and that combined with a uh, other strategy which i'm going to be mentioning next can help you uh, basically enter into the eight figure uh, family as they call it so that's number one focus on always expanding your catalog don't get into the mentality oh i have my top two or three products and i need to put all my money into only ppc for these products and i and you close your mind because i can guarantee you that there's always extra things around your niche that you can take advantage of. And I'm pretty sure if you retarget your clients with those new offerings, you can even increase the lifetime value of those clients. So that's number yeah, one. Vincenzo, I, I yeah. just want to back you up and echo everything that you just talked about. Yeah. Launching new products and expanding your product catalog is honestly your biggest growth lever as an yeah. e-commerce brand owner. It, it yeah. genuinely is. Um, there's so many niches that you can dive into. There's so many complementary products that can build out your brand and expand the audience that you can communicate to as well. And, and the return is really, really quick, relatively yeah. speaking, uh, it, compared to all the other different levers that we're going to be talking about. So in our business as well, our number one priority every single year when we do our annual planning is launch new products, launch yeah. new products, launch new products. And I don't that's think why you're it so will successful. ever <laughs> I mean, that's the reality. I think the key on Amazon is we need to understand Amazon is a numbers game. It's all about trying to throw as many things as possible to Amazon, see what sticks. That's the reality. Or that's the game, right? And if you just get stuck into and you fell in love with the same pros that you've been selling for three, five, eight years now, it's like, that's it. I mean, you need to pass the page, 
keep adding new products. And that's where I have fun with my clients, where we actually uh, bring the most revenue to the business. So that would be number one. Uh, the second thing that always when clients come to us that they're always so afraid of, and we actually found that bring also some of the best results when it comes to jumping from seven figures to eight figures, is international expansion, right? So we work with a lot of our, uh, brands from uh, USA that they come to us and they say, you know what, I already control a pretty uh, big uh, share of my market, but you know, I want to control the whole thing in the USA, right? And, and most of the time when we do an analysis of their current niche, and let's say they are already controlling, you know, a 70, 60% of the market, the amount of money and effort you're going to spend in PPC and all of that to get to that 90% plus control of the niche, most of the time it's going to take the same effort that trying new marketplaces. And most of the time, what we have found that when we bring this product from the, uh, in this case, the States to Europe, for example, first of all, you are diversifying your business, right? So one of the things I love about international expansion is diversification because we all know that on Amazon, it's so risky to have all your eggs in the same basket. And what happens is that if you're a seven-figure seller and all your sales happen in the U.S., you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow if a, a more competition comes to the U.S., which every single day happens, or the CPC keeps going up and so on. If those things, you know, start over time taking all your uh, control uh, on those specific niches and your revenue from it, one day you're not going to be anymore the leader on that market potentially, right? So you want to make sure that you don't rely on one single uh, channel. And that's where international expansion is huge. Now, what happens with international expansion? There's always this uh, fear because, you know, coming to Europe, you have all these new regulations, you have all these compliance with taxes, business and all that. And I know there's always uh, this fear like, oh, what happens if I do this paperwork wrong or if I can't get my pro into the country? And the reality, Josh, is that we know there is a ton of services out there that can do this for you. In, it's just a matter of pain, of course, the service, but it's, it, it can easily be done. We have done it hundreds of times with our clients. And I think at the same time, that's a good uh, thing to, to have because it's actually a filter. And what I mean by a filter, which we actually see with some clients, even in Amazon Japan, where you have such a high barrier to climb to enter into those markets, most of the time you're going to find that once you do that climb and you go inside, the competition is much lower compared to the U.S. that is much easier, right? So, yeah, international expansion is super huge because it gives you diversification. And at the same time, most of the time, if you're coming from the U.S., competition is much lower. And if you have an amazing product, you're going to kill it for sure. Yeah. So I have a quick question with the international expansion. You mentioned that there are a lot of services that make makes the, you know, especially in the EU, yeah. the VAT compliance a oh, lot easier in dealing yeah. with all of that. Now, is that something you handle for the brands that come to you or do you work with one of those partners? And are there some recommended partners that you would encourage people to, you know, work with um, that you think are are vetted, right? That are credible partners. Sure. To help? Yeah. Yeah, when it comes to everything regarding uh, business compliance, taxes and all that, we have partners that help us with that. So one of our closest partners and we use for all our services is uh, Avask, if you want a recommendation. And basically they help our clients to do everything from A to Z. So let's say we, we tell uh, them we have this brand, they are a seven-figure seller that they are selling, let's say, uh, baby products, they need compliance um, basically to import this product, the taxes, the incorporation in Spain, whatever is the country they want to do it. And they do it. And then 
we as an agency, what we do is actually focus on the things that really move the needle, which is the launch strategy, localization of the content, the images, PPC strategy, external traffic strategies on those countries to make sure you hit the ground running. And then with a the combination of these two things, that, that's where we have found the most success for our clients. Yeah, Makes sense. What type of revenue as a percentage of U.S. sales do you see, you know, the European marketplace bringing? And I know there's so many different marketplaces. Mm -hmm. You got the U.K. and Germany and yeah. different ones. Maybe what are the, some of the top marketplaces that you would encourage people to go to first? Sure. And then what percentage of their U.S. sales should they expect from mm -hmm. each of those marketplaces? Yeah. So I would say the one that usually we start the first with is the U.K. and Germany, right? The reason why those two is, first of all, those are the two biggest in Europe right now. And the second thing is because after Brexit, because UK is not anymore part of the uh, pan-European program, we basically do UK and Germany separately because basically Germany, if it's successful, it's going to be our hub to then allow us to do the expansion to the other countries with the pan-European, right? So Spain, Italy, France, and all the other countries. So we do UK and Germany. Now, uh, of course, very important, I need to emphasize this. Don't assume that if because you're doing millions of dollars in the U.S., the same price is going to be a success in Europe. Every single time we do an expansion internationally, it could be Europe or it could be Asia or any other marketplace within the Amazon ecosystem. We always do what we call an Amazon validation process, right? So we need to make sure that the pro actually has the right amount on those markets because sometimes we have found clients that they have a pro that sells very well in the U.S., but we want to bring it to Europe, for example, because things such as weather, right? Weather in Europe is so diverse. If your product is very sensitive to weather conditions or seasonalities around those kind of things, your pro could flop just because of that. So those things are very important to check. Cultural things, a religion, a uh, even the avatar on those countries, like uh, festivities, all those things impact the performance of your product. And it's very important you do that and not not just assume that because you are doing very well in the U.S. it's going to be a success because we have seen also the, the dark side of that, that people say, oh, you know, I'm making millions in the U.S. I'm going to kill it in Europe. They go all in and put all the 10 plus countries uh, from Europe. And then you have inventory all over the place and you realize that out of all those countries you launch in Europe, Maybe just France and Spain were the right ones for you. So very important. You mm. uh, Now, in terms of percentage, when it comes to what you should expect compared to the U.S., usually uh, it's very important to consider that the size of Europe as a whole is getting very close uh, to the whole size as, as USA as a whole in terms of sales, right? So therefore, if we compare percentage just at the country level, of course, it's going to be much lower compared to the U.S., Usually, let's say if your product is a success in in the UK or, or Germany, you could easily start hitting around 20 to 30 percent revenue size in terms of uh, what you were getting into the US if you do it properly. Right. And just, mm. that's merely due to the fact of the size of the market. It's not because the product wasn't a success. It's just because, you know, the size limits the amount of revenue you can make on those markets. However, uh, I mean, we have seen the, the other side when clients sometimes jump from the U.S. to Europe. There are certain scenarios, not all of them, because this is very punctual. But we have seen clients actually when they launch to Europe and start doing all the countries as a whole, they do it better in Europe than USA. But not because of the size difference, but mainly because competition. Sometimes they have a product that in U.S. is becoming very saturated, but in Europe, 
I mean, the reality is when you compare Europe to USA, most of the reason why pros can be more successful in Europe is because when it comes to strategy and when it comes to knowledge around how to sell on Amazon, I would say USA is at least, I w- if I need to put a year amount, three, five years in advance in knowledge when it comes to mm. PPC, external traffic, how to properly optimize lists and images. And when you come to Europe with that, you know, that hunger that you need to have in the US to succeed, most of the time you're going to do prop very good in Europe because the reality is most of, of the sellers I have, mer- I have seen what they do in Europe, they are behind compared to the US. So that's also an advantage you bring to the table. Yeah. Fascinating. I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity, but like you mentioned, before you just go all in, I think it's important that you go and you look at the keywords in that marketplace, right? And you want to make sure that there's, you know, there's still the same amount of search volume um, Mm -hmm. that you would kind of want to be expecting, right? Yeah, I would say another thing, and this is something that I actually came across the last couple of months. That's something that now we're doing with our clients as well is when it comes to the actual uh, manufacturing of your product. So we have, for example, a client that we are shifting all their manufacturing from China to Mexico. Mm. And just by doing this shifting, uh, this this person is able to add between five and, and, and 10% more profitability because he managed to, uh, I mean, it was like a, a diamond in the middle of nowhere, but he found it, a, a manufacturer in Mexico that was able to produce this product cheaper and faster in China. So he was very lucky with that. And now basically he has the production next to the U.S. That means he doesn't need to rely anymore uh, when it comes to, you know, all the issues that we see during COVID uh, when you rely on China. And then now, because the the manufacturer that he found due to the volume that he does, he also does big volumes, he's able to have that profitability increase, which for a seven-figure seller, that's huge. And now yep. he's using that extra profit. He's actually not putting the profit in his pocket. Now with that extra money, what he's doing is fully reinvesting that into PPC. And now he's close to already hitting the eight figures because of that. So that's also a good example how don't close your mind about, oh, it's all about images or listening PPC. There are things that like traditional things, which is the manufacturing, which is the essence of your business which if you even by shifting where your product manufacture, you can break that cycle of getting stuck in seven figures and jump to eight figures because you improve your margins. Yeah. And lead. I love it. I love it. So to recap, you've, we've already shared so much valuable content. <laughs> Number one, you've got expanding your product catalog, yes. right? coming out with new products. Yeah. Number two, we talked about international expansion. Some of the bigger marketplaces to get into would be the UK and Germany. Yeah. And then number three, you just shared a, a great knowledge bomb on all of us mm-hmm. regarding, hey, if you look at potentially switching your manufacturer, you mm-hmm. can shave some percentage points off mm-hmm. of, you know, your cost of goods sold, which will directly impact your bottom line. And especially if you can bring it closer to the mm-hmm. U.S. or even find somebody potentially in the U.S., yeah. that could be a game changer for your business if yeah. you're no longer having to wait. 60 days or having the potential of something getting caught up in customs, right? Yeah. I mean, that could, that could really shift your entire business. You're not locking up your cash flow mm-hmm. as well. So those are some yeah. great I would say that that's, that's one of the biggest things that we find with our clients uh, that they get stuck in seven figures and they cannot get to eight figures is cash flow. Cash flow is king. And the reason why people get stuck with cash flow is because your lead times are so long. 
most people have 45, 60 days lead times. And if you don't have the purchase, the cash in your bank to found, you do the funding yourself of the PPC, more inventory expansion, you're always going to get into a vicious cycle that you cannot grow because you need money for you as a profit. You also need money to keep the operations, but also you cannot overspend because you don't have the cash. And therefore, just by doing simple changes to your lead time, that could be the key to also jump from seven figures to eight figures. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we could dive down this rabbit hole and talk a lot about, yeah. <laughs> you know, supplier relationships and, and terms. Yeah. One episode I would encourage our listeners to go listen to is Off the Lobby Oyerikin. Mm-hmm. Um, we interviewed Later. him and he shared a lot about, you know, your supplier relationship, how to negotiate with them and get favorable payment yes. terms, you know, get 60 day, 90 day terms to where you're not paying for the product That's until you gender. actually yeah. make a sell. Right. (laughs) So I love it. All right, Vincenzo. So we've got three. We'll kind of wrap the cash flow in with our suppliers. What's what's a fourth strategy here? Yeah. So I will say another thing that is also very important when you are on on that cycle of jumping from seven figures to eight figures (laughs) is that people is also afraid to try new things. And what I mean by this is that it reaches a point and we have found this for certain niches that the reality is PPC is not going to move any more than needle for you, right? You start getting into that in that cycle that you're maximizing what you can do with PPC. And when you reach that, eh, I have seen that people, you know, don't try things such as Google ads or influencer marketing and things like that. And that's something that has been paying very heavily for clients. So for example, one thing that we have tar- started doing is for example, Google ads uh, for some of our clients and that's been giving good benefit for them because what we have done is that for some of their specific keywords that they were advertising on PPC that had a very high CPC and therefore were always on that vicious cycle that they could improve, you know, their tackles and the profitability. We then try to find certain long tail keywords or terminologies that were cheaper outside of Amazon, like Google ads, uh, even Bing, People don't talk about Bing, but we can. We have even tried uh, with Bing and Bing. Funny enough, uh, if you have a product, uh, and this is something that we have seen that is kind of like a hack, I would say. But I mean, most people when they buy a, a, a PC, right? And I would say more people are, or fifty or sixty when they buy a PC, the default browser is Bing, right? That's the the one that they have yeah. on Windows, right? And most people they don't really know how to download Google Chrome or anything like that. And if you have a type of product that is for a that bracket, like all people, and, and we had a brand that they were doing that, a product that is usually for people over 60, 70, he was killing it with Bing because basically oh, everybody was typing like whatever was the product on Bing and, and his ads were in there and the CPC was super low. So that's something that maybe you can explore as well, uh, just as a, as, as a tip there. Uh, now, going back to uh, uh, Google Ads, right? So with Google Ads, what we're doing is that, yes, we're trying to find basically CPCs are cheaper compared to your PPC, but also because you need to understand that it, depending on your product, there's certain type of product that people will go to, um, to, to Google and let's say they're going to put a best phone case for iPhone 2023 as an example, right? And you want to make sure that when people type specific phrases that basically trigger some kind of a behavior of action around your product. It could be the best phone case. It could be a phone case that doesn't break or when it falls. These kind of phrases that 
try to explain a pain point around your product and they go to Google to find a blog or whatever to find the best product, you could start advertising on those placements. And we have seen a, a good result with that. So definitely Google Ads, I would say, is not for everybody. But if your product is a typical product that people will first go to Google to clarify their, their doubts around functionality, materials, which is the best product, etc. Google Ads could be very powerful for you. So that's the number one thing within external traffic. Then we have blogs. So blogs, what we have done with a, which is goes hand by hand with a press release is basically getting in, in reach with these basically entities, let's say within supplements that talk, what is the best vitamin C for 2023, right? And we basically try to get a product a, a, or client's product into those blogs. And we have found very good returns when it comes to doing these blogs, because on top of that, you can use a, a brand referral bonus and you get a 10% for basically, you know, the traffic you send back to your, your Amazon account. So that's a plus for you. And, and definitely if you target the right blogs again, because there is a lot of blogs that it just like a dead clicks and the traffic, you need to make sure you do the proper filtering. But if you find the right ones, it's also been helping a lot to increase the bottom line revenue. And the third one to finalize this idea will be using influencers. So influencers, of course, is a big a, a spectrum of options. You have like Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, etc. But the one that's been working the best for us is using YouTube. So we, basically what we do with YouTube is that we try to find a, basically people that talk about a specific product, right? It could be like reviewing the product, like a, using a, a day, a, like a blog, like a, a day of my life using this product. Like I went camping and I used this product and I did a full review. These kind of videos we have seen that resembles very good and help you drive very uh, warm traffic, especially if the person behind the camera is known for doing product reviews. Like this guy is the guy too for uh, doing monitor reviews for gaming, right? And you sell monitors. Yeah. So you want to make sure that your product gets reviewed by this guy because people that know about gaming, they're going to go to YouTube and see if this guy did a review about this product to buy it. So we've been doing that for some of our brands and it's also been working very well. And, and a good trick that you can do so you keep them motivated is that most of them are going to have an Amazon influencer account. So they get commission, of course, on the links that they send to you. But sometimes what we tell them, so they actually incentivize to sell more is that we say whatever Amazon gives you, we're going to double the commission. So if Amazon give you 3%, we mm. give you 6%. And then this basically allows to to keep building that good relationship. So this guy basically becomes our, our sales guy within the niche without uh, really forcing anything. Yeah. So that's another uh, good strategy. So I would say those three combined is very good as well to when you reach seven figures and PPC is already your bottleneck to try those three things to get to eight figures. Yeah. I love that. And, and I love that you preface that with once you've kind of maximized or optimized your PPC, that's kind of the first area, right? Like if there's still room to run with PPC, then yeah. keep honing in on your PPC, dial yeah. that in first, because that's going to be your easiest. Like that's the bottom of the funnel. People are on Amazon to shop. Once you start yeah. moving up the funnel, like Google ads, where people are starting to research it's going to be a little bit harder, right? Your conversion rate's going to be lower. You're going to need more clicks. Um, and same thing with influencer marketing. But Vincenzo, I'm super curious to dive into like the influencer marketing and the blogs. Sure. Like, how are you reaching out to these influencers and how are you negotiating, you know, payment for these? Uh, because a lot of influencers, it's like, 
you have to pay me a thousand bucks just for yeah. me to post it. <laughs> and then it will be on my story for 24 hours and then it's gone. Right. And you're like, wow, I've got to make a lot of money. <laughs> I've got to make a lot of sales yeah. in those 24 hours to make it worth it. So tell me about, you know, a, how you're finding these influencers and bloggers and then B, what type of payment structure are you coming up with? Sure. So the first tip, and this would be for YouTube, uh, one thing that my team does, and of course, the only downside of this is that it's very manual work. So it's going to be time consuming if you don't want to use a platform, but still it's an option to do it. So what you will do is you go to YouTube and let's say you want to do vitamin C, right? So you're going to put always the name of the product and then and then you put Amazon. So it could be vitamin C, Amazon, or top vitamin C, Amazon. And the reason why you put Amazon is because at the end of the day, YouTube is a search engine. And that is going to match us most of the time with videos that say top 10 vitamin C's on Amazon. Or even if it's not mm. a title, it's going to match it with the link of the influencer because... If these guys do influence, uh, they have an Amazon influencer account, the links that they put in the description have the Amazon word on it. Therefore, the search engine is going to match me with those videos. And that's the first filtering. I already know which ones are the guys that have been working with Amazon brands in the past. They know how the whole ecosystem works. And it's easier than working with a person that, you know, they just do blogs and they don't even have an idea about what is uh, selling on Amazon. So I want to make sure they, they speak the same language. That's the first thing. The second thing is when it comes to payment terms. So these are different ways you can do it. So the first uh, way of doing it is uh, matching the Amazon commission, as I mentioned. So for example, if they do 3% or 5% for Amazon, we double it. So we give 6, 10% to them. Another option that we do is rather than matching the, uh, the commission, we might do just a flat fee, right? Maybe initially when, you know, that relationship still doesn't exist with influencer, we do a flat fee, which I know sometimes it can be heavy, uh, uh, as you mentioned. But again, there are, there are many ways for you to, you know, analyze the um, the actual YouTube channel. There are tools that you put the, the hashtag and it gives you like the history, the views, engagement and so on. And that can give you like a good idea about how good this influencer is. And based on that, if this guy asks you for 1000, but then you see that the average likes per video is like two likes, you see that that traffic is fake. So that, that's a rare flag. And the third option, which is, this is the most difficult to get, but if you care, that's, I would say this one is the best way. Is basically you, you be a transform this person into an ambassador, right? So an ambassador means that uh, basically they become like the face of your product and they basically talk about your product and pretty much every single video, like it could be a banner at the beginning or you start sponsoring your, uh, your, uh, her trips to, let's say she does hacking and you sell like camping tents, right? So she uses always your camping tent and all her trips. And you basically sponsor a, a, what we call some of their trips. That's an option. Or it could be also a, a hybrid in terms of instead of paying a fixed amount on, on, on let's say, a one-time video, it will be a commission. But this commission, rather than be the in influencer one, it will be more filtered down to um specific period. So let me give an example. Let's say this person is going to do a, a trip to Spain and she's going to do a one month of, of traveling and she's she she needs to commit to this. Of course, she's going to commit to every single week. She's going to do two videos uh, of blogging, talking about the product, etc. Then we do a reporting comparison of the traffic uh, of, let's say she did a trip on, on March and, and, and on February, we didn't have an influencer. 
we compare the increase in, in, in revenue and we can come to an agreement of giving an actual percentage of, of sales of within our Amazon account. This one, of course, needs to be done with somebody that really brings a difference. It's not like, I mean, you do this and then the person doesn't really bring any, any difference to us. But once we did it with an influencer and just by doing this uh, engagement with them, over one month, we increased around, I think it was 20, 20 something percent increase in revenue. Just because wow. this guy all the whole month was using the product into their vlogs uh, on the Instagram stories and all that. And basically what we did is on that 20% increment in revenue, we get them a cut of percentage clean cut to him. So that's another thing. Interesting. Yeah. Are you, are you having them use your brand referral bonus link so that you can track that? Or are you using their influencer affiliate link? You know, like what links are you giving them? Yeah, so for the, we give the brand referral, so we get the, the 10% uh, commission there. But in some instances when that cannot be implemented in some, uh, like for example, TikTok doesn't really track properly the 10% and it's not very efficient for that. In so, in those cases, we just do basically they share the information within their account or reporting wherever they can share us. And we do some kind of matching there uh, to see the reality behind the numbers, yeah. That's why this one needs to be a very good relationship because sometimes they need to give information that you from outside the account, you cannot see, you see what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. ultimately, uh, could somebody use their affiliate link and combine it with the brand referral bonus link or no? Uh, so you mean uh, combining the influencer one in this case with the, uh, the 10% commission, right? Yeah. 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 Could I like... So it's kind of like double dipping, right? The mm -hmm. influencer yeah. still going to get their affiliate commission, but then on my side, I'm also going to get the 10% brand referral bonus. Yeah, I think I think it's not possible. If I'm not mistaken, I think you, you can't really do that. Uh, but yes, I think you can't. <laughs> it would be not, nice, not but I think possible. you can't. Uh, no. <laughs> so what are most of your influencers doing? Are they using their own affiliate links then? Or... Because I know that's how they've typically monetized all of their content, right? Is with their affiliate links to Amazon. Are, are you seeing people willing to say, oh, yeah, let's not use my affiliate link anymore. Just give me your brand referral bonus link. And do you see people shifting that way or yeah. not? Yeah, I would say it's always going to come down as well to um what is the agreement you come to, right? So if the agreement is based on, for example, on, on the total revenue increase they can bring to you, it can be that, you know, let's use a brand referral bonus. We track uh, everything through the link because at the end of the day, when you do the brand referral bonus, that link has a unique idea and you can track how much traffic costs to that link. And you can also yeah. reward them with that information. You make it very transparent to them. But again, if the influencer sometimes is, you know, it's not open-minded to do that, what we do is we use the influencer one. And then that 10% that we're losing there, we try to, you know, negotiate that on into their commission or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. What are the, you mentioned there was a tool that you use to um, look at the engagement for a YouTuber's account. Like, do you know what those tools are that come to your mind? Yeah. So the one that we use, I think it's called, um, I forgot the name. I think a blade, a... Yeah, that's a good one. I, f I forgot the name. Let me see it. I have it here on my notes. <laughs> so yeah, the ones I, I would recommend is ProSocial uh, Snapalytics. Uh, these are some of the ones the, the team is be using lately. 
Uh, but again, there are so many tools out there. At the end of the day, what I would advise you to do is just try uh, different ones because at the end of the day, you may find discrepancies and what the team does. And that's why uh, I had so many names in my head is that we we put a profile most of the time to two or three apps at the time. Then we conglomerate the numbers and we calculate an average because sometimes you might see some discrepancies on, on the calculation. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. So what he talked about was Snaplytics. Yeah. All right. Snap and then Lytics behind it. And again, we'll have the links here in the show notes. So um, Vincenzo, that's awesome. My last follow up question on the influencer stuff um, mm-hmm. is I know you're not doing that. Yeah. I assume you have dedicated team members because you actually have to build a relationship that's true. with these people. This is not a well, I signed up for this program and then it out came the result. Right. <laughs> this is a this is like you know, creating an actual relationship and partnership, yeah. especially if you're getting ambassadors. So Vincenzo, would you mind explaining to us like how many team members do you have working on this? Mm-hmm. And if we were to even do this for our own business, like what are the different roles that we would need to hire in order to kind of execute this influencer ambassador strategy? Sure. So if, for example, within our team, we have around 10 people just doing these influencers of things because the, the downside of everything I just mentioned is that it's very manual, right? So if you want to do it yourself, you need to have people that, you know, reach out to this influencer, doing the filtering to the methodology, like, for example, YouTube, putting the name of the product on Amazon, finding the influencer and all that. And then on top of that, just to give you some numbers, out of 100 people you reach out and, the, and my team, we're having a meeting, uh, early this week about this, usually just 10% get back to you. So at a hundred influence. So the conversion is very low because you need to remember that this influencer gets messages every single day, like everybody send emails and all that. So you need to also make sure, and we actually do that, split test the copy you send to them, try to not be very sales orientated, we try to build a relationship with them because at the end of the day, you know, they're also humans. They are, they are people like you and, and you want to make sure that you actually build that connection before trying to, oh, I want, I want you to give me this commission. I want you to do this video and all that. So try to do that. Um, so yeah, I would say in terms of a uh, time, um, you have two options. So the first option is try to hire, I, I would say for most sort of with a uh, one or two VAs, you can do this. So try to find a VA that help you do all the filtering. So filtering is basically fun influencers and using these tools. Uh, basically to find which are the best influencer, which are the ones that have the best engagement, try to analyze the analytics and then have an RVA that it takes care of everything when it comes to reaching out to this influencer, which also takes a ton of time. So that means sending emails to them, sending direct messages on their Instagram or, or Facebook, etc. And then with these two combinations, you have one person doing the betting, one person doing the communication. And when once the communication goes and basically get fit to a very nice stage, that's when usually you may have, it could be you as the brand owner, or in our case, we have a brand manager, which takes a call with influencer, explain what are the goals for the brand, what we're looking to achieve with this relationship, and then try to come into an agreement. So that's one option. If you don't have the time, you don't really care about managing people, you want to just go through as quickly as possible, you can use also uh, another tool, which we have to use, and it's called a referason, referason.com. And I'm going to put also the link on the description. And it's a yeah, platform. Refersion. Yeah, yep, refersion. Definitely yeah. one to check out. Yeah. So, I mean, the downside is, of course, um, you need to consider that it's a little bit more expensive because it's a platform, of course. But at the end of the day, it takes all the headache of 
what we need to do as an agency, go manually find influencer, communicating, building the relationship. I would say using this platform is more if you want a one-time thing, like you just want a video gone, or you want a certain campaigns during a specific period, because the only downside of most platforms is that it doesn't give you the freedom to build the, that relationship person to person. You yeah. know what I mean? So, but yes, that's, that's, that's the thing I would advise. You have those two options and then it depends on your goals, you know? <laughs> yeah. I love that. And you know, you mentioned like you've got to reach out to a hundred people just to maybe hear back from 10. And then from those 10 that you even hear back from, how many of those even turn into kind of like influencers or ambassadors? Is it like one of those 10 will even kind of agree to work with you? Yeah. So when it comes to um, conversion, I would say out of 100 people, usually the conversion rate is, is around 10%. So, uh, no, sorry. So 100 people, 10 people respond. And uh, out of the 10 people, usually you end up with three or five. So I would say three or five percent. Okay. Yeah. So that's why so it's you, very time consuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you end up, yeah. Ultimately, if you've reached out to 100 people, you get maybe three to four to five. Yeah. you know, influencers that agree to work with you. So ultimate conversion rate, three to 4% um, there. Well, I, Vincenzo, I know we spent a lot of time on that, but I believe that it's super, super important because what I believe is going to change over the next decade with Amazon is the brands that are going to win are going to be the brands that bring the traffic. Yes. I think long gone are the days of just mooching off of Amazon's free traffic. I mean, there's still some there, right? And there's different niches that you could get into. But over the next decade, things are definitely going to shift. You have bigger brands that are coming here and brands that are uh, that are large and established, and they're now directing traffic to mm -hmm. Amazon because they see the flywheel that it can create. And so I think it's important that you know our audience hears this message because if this is not something that, you see is worth your time. It's like, oh, it's too much hassle. I don't want to have to manage team members. I don't want to have to manage relationships. Yeah. You will lose at the end of the day yeah. because you need to be progressing and growing. And that's where Amazon's heading. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's super important what you just said. I think if, if you don't start adapting with the things that, you know, are really important to your brand and it's all the things we've been talking about. I mean, you, you need to understand that a, when it comes to these influencers and to basically incorporate this in, into your brand is things that most people are not doing. Right. And and you need to basically take the advantage of that, start building this relationship with these influencers. And then once you bring them into your, you know, your family in terms of becoming your ambassador, then, you know, they start using your product all around the different lifestyles. Uh, I think that's where you actually become into a proper brand, because I think most people think that having a brand on Amazon, it's just, you know, having a logo and a nice packaging and that's it. But no, branding is actually a community. You need to actually build that thriving uh, community that talks about your product, go to a party and test to their friend. They follow the, their influencer doing tutorials around your product. So you need to make sure that you start building those, uh, those communities, which from my clients, those are the ones I have even seen getting the biggest multiples when they exited uh, um, basically their business, some of them, yeah. Fascinating. So not only is it going to help your brand survive in the long term, but you're also seeing an increase in multiple a lot. if people have a lot. What would be an example here? So, for example, if you have an, a normal brand that doesn't really have um, 
a community, you just have a product on Amazon and that's it. Usually the, the multiples are in the three, four times. That's maximum what you're getting. But for the clients that they had a community very strong outside of Amazon, what I'm talking here is like, you go to the YouTube channel, they have thousands of followers. You go to Instagram, thousands of followers. Facebook, thousands of followers. Every single thing that they release on social media gets likes, engagement, comments. People is crazy. They share with your, their mom. This kind of thing. These are brands that are getting six, seven plus multiples, right? So it's almost double mm-hmm. the multiple. And the reason for that is the safety because the fear is that imagine all your business on Amazon suddenly your listing, let's say it gets taken down or you get suppressed from advertisement, it's like you have nothing else to bring traffic to. You don't have anything outside of Amazon. But with these brands, investors have a bigger peace of mind that, you know what, if my listing gets taken down or I cannot advertise anymore for a reason, I can just say to my traveling community outside of Amazon, you know what, we just launched a Walmart or we just have this new variation of the product or whatever and that's it you're up and running much faster and you have that a uh, diversification which most people on amazon fortunately don't have and that's why uh, it's also they're getting that lower multiple of course i love it that's a great um use case scenario there and great case study as to why yeah. it would be important to expand your brand not only on amazon but creating a community around your brand now Vincenzo, we only really made it for kind of like these four strategies. Mm-hmm. Are there any other quick strategies that you want to kind of list off as ways that people can grow and explode their sales on Amazon? Yeah, so I would say another thing that I know it sounds simple, but we have seen that uh, when doing a lot of audits, when people come to us, is that you might be surprised how many people are doing over seven figures. And the last last time they optimized their listing was in 2015 when they got started. <laughs> you go inside and man, they're using keywords that don't make sense anymore. They are not prioritizing placement on keywords. They are not uh, doing a uh, focusing on, on ranking a uh, power around the listing. And most of the time, we'll say eight times out of 10, when we do even audits on seven, uh, seven figure sellers, there's always a ton of potential when it comes to improvement on, on listings. And that's also, I mean, of course, it's not going to skyrocket the revenue as there are things, but still it's going to bring a good percentage of increase, especially if you're not indexing or ranking for keywords that just because you haven't done any more optimization, you just left there hanging and your competitors are taking those extra sales on, on terminologies that, you know, because you didn't stay on track with the market you're losing right so very important try to always keep a, a process for your business where you keep re-optimizing your listing for example for our clients every two to three months we optimize listing from scratch right and we and we have this process in mind because at the end of the day we need to understand that amazon is a very dynamic market and every every couple of months or so uh, the trend around specific keywords, specific uh, phrases, even keywords that you discover in your PPC that you didn't even have a clue that so, a tool such as Helium Tem, et cetera, didn't allow you to find. Now you are able to keep always re-engineering the data over and over and again, even data from brand analytics. And you make sure that you have always a top-notch listing because if you don't, uh, you know, you're always going to then leave money on the table for keywords that you, you, you're not taking advantage of, yeah. So is the main thing keyword optimization when it comes to, you know, just general product optimization? Because there's a lot of things you could focus on, A-plus content, mm-hmm. videos, secondary images, main images, bullets, copy, sure. list goes on and on. 
what would be like if you could only choose two things to optimize what would they be so i think that we have seen the biggest uh, results in into when we do case studies comparison is the the copy and when i mean copy is is on the effect it gives you in organic ranking uh, more than conversion but on the conversion side of things is the main image that's huge so main image we try to do a lot of split testing and we use, for example, a, a, a tool called PicFu. And we do that a lot. So, for example, a, every single time we see our conversions going down, we ask our designers to come up with four or five variations of the main image. We get it validated with PicFu. Then we do split testing with the option that Amazon allows you to do split testing on your main image to then find which one is better. And then that also, even if it gives you, you know, three or five points up in conversion, if you're a seven-figure seller, that's big money right and then you can use that to basically reinvest on other things right so yeah i love it great quick wins all right anything else vincenzo we got to number five <laughs> strategies product optimization anything else so i would say um when it comes to other strategy that, that you can think of when it comes to to amazon it's also within uh, the ppc of things right <laughs> So a, a lot of things I have found as well is that I know people always like to sponsor product because that's where you get the biggest return on your money. And I totally get it. But at the same time, all this new type of advertisement that have been releasing within sponsored brands and sponsored display, especially sponsored display with audience retargeting and all of that, this huge potential that I see a lot of seven figure sellers not using. Uh, especially we had a brand, right? That they were, they're selling supplements, right? Uh, and, and this kind of is a typical supplement that basically you buy every 30, every 30 to 45 days. That's usually the window you buy this supplement. And when we went inside their account, I was shocked by the fact that they were not doing anything when it comes to retargeting. And just by doing simple campaigns, I mean, with these simple campaigns, such as retargeting people that they have seen the product in the last 30 days. With the campaigns around retargeting people that have seen their competitor products in the last 30 days, because maybe somebody saw, let's say you're selling vitamin C and they're selling another brand vitamin C in 30 days. If you put your product in front of them and maybe you have better pricing, more reviews, better images, you might steal that purchasing behavior from another brand and bring it to yours. Other things such as, for example, a lifestyle, like for example, this, this, uh, the branding of this client was all about having a super healthy lifestyles and in the outdoors and all of that. And we started targeting people that does a lot of outdoors activities and things like that. And just small changes like this broke a big chunk of extra revenue that they ha had just because they weren't using sponsored displays. So I know it sounds basic, but a lot of people, they, they get, because some of them, you know, started only with sponsored products, which is why you must do it initially, but they don't do the extra effort to experiment with other things such as sponsored brands and display, which I think if your product is right for that, it can be a big increase in revenue to your business, which is going to contribute with all these other strategies to break uh, the seven figures and uh, enter into eight figures. Yeah, I love it. Vincenzo, this has been an awesome <laughs> episode. You've shared a lot of value. My last follow-up question before we wrap it all up here is this, there's a lot that goes into, you know, the influencer outreach. You've got 10 team members that do that. Uh, listing optimization that in and of itself requires a lot of research and data and somebody overseeing it and making decisions. So yes. how big is your team um, so that sellers can understand that, yeah, you, you need to hire people in order to actually execute these. Like this is not something that just one person can do. Yes. Um, so what's your team structure look like Vincenzo? 
Yeah, so when it comes to structure, we got the team that does uh, the PPC department. We got the uh, ACL department, which is all our copywriters, translators. We got our graphic design department, which is also photographers uh, and video makers. Uh, we also got uh, the team that does the influencer marketing. And then we got our analytics team. So those are the ones that make sure all the, uh, you know, the reporting under uh, manipulating data to make all the, the the presentation of the data for the client, making sure we are hitting our targets, objectives, and so on. And then you have the brand managers, which basically make sure there's the right integration of these team members with the brand and communicating everything with every single client. So I will say overall, if you combine all these people, right now we are over 30 people. Uh, so it's a big team. Uh, and, and basically this makes sure, and the nice thing of our team is also it's very spread around a different country. So we've got people in Europe, people in Asia, people in Latin America and the US. So that means when somebody is sleeping, the other one is working. When the other one is, <laughs> is working, <laughs> the other is sleeping. So that also gives the flexibility of, you know, working with clients in, the, in different countries, you know. Uh, but yes, I mean, at the size that we are right now, of course, we need uh, all these team members because, I mean, the reality is that it's not true. I mean, you can be good at, at many things, but at the end of the day, you really want to have the expert for PPC just for PPC, the expert that does graphic design just for graphic design, because I feel like if you do, if you try to have a person to do many different positions uh, uh, in one go, it's going to struggle, especially if, you know, especially PPC is a huge monster that every single week, even when I go to LinkedIn, uh, every single time there's a new type of ad, there's a new type of targeting, there's a new strategy. And, and, and yes, you're going to struggle. So you need to make sure if you are seven figure seven, and you want to scale forward. I know that most founders, when I have this conversation with them, they tell me, yes, I have tried to hurt people, but they don't have the same passion as me or etc. They don't have the same motivation. And it's true. I mean, it's not their business. It's your business. But your 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 basically your objective as the founder and and the owner of the company is to create very clear SOPs, very clear structure in terms of what they have to do and what they have to deliver. And you just need to basically uh, make sure you you give the work to them and you track them into a way that avoid micromanagement. That's another thing I, I'm gonna do. This a huge mistake of seven figures say when they start hiding. Is they want to make sure oh, I need to track every single second, every single minute, and they're, they're being as efficient as possible. That's a huge mistake. Try to be more open with uh, with with the people you bring on board because another day I, I haven't met any eight figure plus seller that is just himself. I haven't personally. I think when you reach that level, it's a lie that you're gonna be able to have all the resources just by yourself to do the scale. And I think yeah. that's why you need to start building a team around your business to reach that next stage on, on your journey. Yeah. yeah. Vincenzo, I think you wrap that up really well that, yeah, it it's easy for brands and you hear it all the time. Somebody got to seven figures on their own, but I am yet to hear somebody that's like, I made it to yeah. eight figures <laughs> on my own because yeah, I made I all these amazing hacks and you're, you're not going to get there. You've got to start building out a business and you also need to reflect and say, Hey, you know, if you have aspirations to build an eight figure brand, but you don't want to hire team members, then maybe you need to start looking at that exit, right? Or yeah. partnering with somebody that is going to uh, want to take on that operational load um, to grow the team and, and to grow things. So those are some important takeaways. Now, Vincenzo, as we wrap it all up, I love to leave our audience with three actionable takeaways from each episode. We probably have about a hundred actionable takeaways from today's episode, but here are the three key takeaways that I noted Vincenzo and let me know if you think I'm missing something. 
Number one, well, even before we get into these three takeaways, I'm going to go back and kind of recap all of the strategies at a high level. You have number one, expanding your product catalog on Amazon. That's kind of your first lever that you can touch that will provide an outsized return for the time that you put into it. Secondly, international expansion, starting maybe more in the UK and Germany, but make sure you do your keyword research first and foremost. Then strategy number three to increase your sales is, or profitability, is actually finding some new manufacturers and making sure that you have good payment terms, right? So it may not be that you need to find a new manufacturer, but maybe you're paying 50% up front and then 50% once it gets in on the water, mm-hmm. right? If you could change your payment terms to where it's 10% up front and then you don't pay for 90 days until after it's shipped and you've already started making sales on it, then you pay the remaining 90%. Imagine how that can change your business. Yeah. Then you've got strategy number four, external marketing. We talked about Google ads. We talked about blogs. We talked about influencers and brand ambassadors. Even Bing. We hit num- <laughs> number five. Go ahead. Sorry, Vincenzo. We, we cut out real quick. What were you going to say there? Yeah. So we also, no, I was just saying very quickly. We also talk about Bing, which is a, a good hack you can implement if you, there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So with the external marketing, yeah, Bing, you shared an amazing hack, especially if you have a product that, that reaches an older age demographic, right? So yeah. go back, yeah. hit rewind, listen to that, that part. <laughs> um, Number five, we talked about product optimization, primarily on updating the copy with correct keywords. And then your main image is definitely like your biggest lever to pull there. And then last but certainly not least is PPC. If you're only doing sponsored product ads right now and you haven't, you know, Amazon's continuing to update Amazon advertising on a regular basis. And if you're not actively taking advantage of some of the new uh, you know, features that they come out with or the new, you know, ad spots that they're promoting, then you're going to be left behind. So there's so many things. If I were to wrap them up and to give us three actionable takeaways, Vincenzo, I think it would be number one, every business needs to prioritize yes. launching new products. Yes, that's first. And then secondly, I would say you've got to dial in before you even get into external marketing or before you get into international expansion, make sure you've really dialed in your product optimization and PPC processes. Those are your first, like you've got to bring that internally. You've got to hone that in. And once you do that, then you can rinse and repeat that in international marketplaces, right? But if you go into international marketplaces first, and then you're trying to, you know, take on, you know, doing product optimization and mm-hmm. figure that out and PPC and figure that out in multiple marketplaces makes it that much more challenging. And then I would say final action item. If you've already got that dialed in, you your third action item would be focusing on your external marketing, creating that community, building a team of, of ambassadors and influencers that are going to drive traffic. Because like we talked about in the next five to 10 years on Amazon, The brands that are going to win are going to be the brands that drive traffic to their listings outside of Amazon. Yes. Vincenzo, did I miss anything? Ah, you kill it. You did it perfect. (laughs) All right. You you, you set the bar high. (laughs) Yeah, I I think, I mean, these things, of course, um, 
are easy to, to say, but difficult to implement. And I totally get that. But please take all these tips and, and somehow, you know, you don't need to do all of them at once, but try to start implementing some of these slowly into your daily operations because every single time that, you know, we have encountered clients that they come to us and they're talking to the same figures and we start implementing at least three or four of these all these strategies that we, we implement, uh, talk about the episode, we have seen them breaking the, the cycle of getting stuck into the seven figures. So I think is you need to be patient. You need to understand that this is going to take time and effort, but I can guarantee you that if you do these things, which again, sounds simple, but most people is not doing, you're going to be able to get closer to that exclusive eight figure club. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Now, Vincenzo, as we conclude, I like to ask each guest the following three questions. So let's start from the top. Number sure. one, what's been the most influential book that you've read and why? So some of the books, uh, one of the books I actually like the most and this very business oriented is one called Profit First, right? And this book was very good for me because I think one of the issues we enter as entrepreneurs when uh, we launch a business is that we always focus, oh, we need to just increase the revenue regardless of what happens. I need to keep expanding and so on. But the issue behind that mindset, and I actually went to that mistake as well, is that then you don't build the structure on your business to actually be profitable. You just scale your business with the mindset and the system to generate revenue and, and that's it, but not really with the margins that have to have the business to be healthy. So very good book I would recommend, especially for Amazon sellers, which I know we all care about, oh yes, I need to sell, get sales velocity, and we never care about profit. So <laughs> there we have a look at this book, which is gonna allow you to make sure that you design the right system so your business can be profitable long-term, yeah. I echo that. All right, question number two, what's your favorite productivity tool or maybe a software tool that sure. you think uh, has helped you? So a tool I've been using a lot uh, for internal uh, projects and private projects and also with my agency is monday.com. I, I don't know if you have heard of this one, but it's super useful software. I mean, it's so good because you can put all your basically projects in there, uh, milestones, objectives, you can make it very accountable in terms of things that you have to do on a day. And if you use this software very efficiently, which by the way, has even an app for your phone, which gives you all the notifications and everything. I mean, the efficiency of our team right now uh, and my private business is being increased significantly by using this tool. So check it out. Yeah. I love it. Yes. We use ClickUp, but Monday is another great alternative. It's a competitor. Yeah. <laughs> I like yeah. it, but it is super, super important getting in a project management platform in your business essential so yeah. to execute on many of these strategies we talked about today yeah all right vincenzo last but not least who is somebody that you admire or respect the most in the e-commerce space that you would recommend other sellers follow and why yeah so if i have to choose somebody uh, for sure it would be my my first mentor in one of my first mentors in the amazon space which is bradley sutton from healing time so i've been following from the very beginning uh, he's an amazing guy i know him and i think a, his content is very good. So I, I think especially for those that, you know, want to find content without any bullshit, as we call it, like very clear uh, to the point and making sure that it's actually what they're implementing on a daily basis. He's one of the top guys in, in the space, of course, side by side with you, Josh. You're awesome. <laughs> Uh, I appreciate that. I have to slip you that five under the table now. Um, 
Vincenzo, this has been amazing. Now, you've shared so much value. I'm sure our audience is going to want to hear more from you, maybe even hire your consulting firm and maybe to help execute on many of these strategies. So where can people go to find you and learn more? Sure. So if you go to ecomc.com, basically in there you get access to our website where we basically share all the services that we can offer you as a full Amazon brand management agency. And we offer a 30-minute free consultation, no string attached. So if you want to ask us any questions like around external traffic or around anything around how you can be efficient with international expansion, more than happy to jump on a call, see what things are wrong in your business and be able to give you some guidelines about how you can move forward into your journey. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Vincenzo, thank you so much for your time today and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Josh. It's a pleasure. Okay. Have a nice one. Thank you for listening. Visit ecombreakthrough.com for more information. If you've enjoyed today's episode, the best way you can show your appreciation is by clicking the subscribe button and quickly leaving a review. See you again next time.